every now and again, my wife and I, when we go and we hang out and we watch movies, you know, I don't know about you and how this works in your life, but my wife just cannot hang, fam. We'll get into the intro of the movie. It could be a movie that she picked. It could be one that she is desirous of. Like, she's like, babe, we're going to watch this movie tonight. Maybe I don't have any witnesses in here. And then we go and we sit up and, you know, try get kind of get booed up on the couch and stuff and whatever. And 10 seconds later, all I'm hearing is. <sighs> and the fact of the matter is this. It's usually the reason why this happens is usually because of the fact that right before we watch this movie, my wife will usually get in the couch, put a pillow in the corner. Come on, somebody get her blanket. Come out all in there, you know, warms up herself and snuggles up and all this. And as a result, because of her position of comfortability, she's positioned to in a place where she's not set up to succeed at watching the movie. Somebody's going to stay with me this morning. And so the fact is that her position is indicative of her not being prepared to make it through the movie. Although she says that she wants to make it through come on lip service although she says she's still gonna love me after this so it's okay we're 12 years in this deal right 14 years together hallelujah but you know she's not set up when you don't set yourself up to succeed at watching the flick you're gonna fall asleep every time the fact of the matter is there are a lot of us who are christians there are a lot of us who are christians who are in a position where We talk about how tired we are of the devil whooping our behinds. We talk about it and we sing about it. Can we just go ahead and have church this morning? We sing about it and we complain about it. We call people like, oh, nobody knows the trouble I see. And we call and we just boo-hoo and we whine and we snot at the nose. And we talk about how much we wish that things were better. Can I just even preach to myself? And pastors be honest. But then every now and again, even though we're crying and we're talking about it and we're singing about it. If we would look at our lives, we can take a if we take some inventory, if we take a look, we'll see that like my wife, we're snoozing and we're comfortable oftentimes. But we're not positioned to be able to make it through the movie of life. We're not positioned. Within an appropriate place, our position is not indicative of victory. And so then when the things that the enemy may throw at us come our way, as a result, we get whooped. And for many of us, I'm going to talk about this as the series continues because we're going to be going for a while with this series because I'm believing that Surf City is going to be a house of victory. Come on. Somebody else. Let me say it again. Surf City is going to be a house of victory. And so as a result of this, there's, you know, we're going to get to the place. I'm believing that we're going to get to the place where our focus and our positioning and our preparation is going to be, is going to be that of one who is interested and is desirous of walking in success and walking in victory. I want to look at uh, Ephesians chapter six, and we're going to read from verse 10, you know, and, and, and just unpack this today. Um, You know, the, the whole idea is that I want to talk about this fact that regarding spiritual warfare, this is the big idea. God's desire for us is preparation, not mere reaction. 
See, so as it pertains to spiritual warfare, as it pertains to dealing with spiritual warfare, which I'm getting ready to define and unpack and talk about a little bit more as to what this is. But as we as we deal with spiritual attack, God's design is for us to be prepared, not just to react when things happen. Are you with me this morning? So look, Ephesians chapter six, verse 10. All right, devil, I'm coming for you this morning. Finally, be strong in the Lord. And in the strength of his might, in this pericope or this passage of scripture, the apostle Paul begins by encouraging us to note that our strength is not coming from ourselves. Note, he says, be strong in the Lord and in the power of your might, the power of his might. So the one who is prepared to be successful And to be able to conquer and stand against spiritual warfare is not one that is coming in our own power. Is not one that faces the enemy in our own strength. How many of you know that the devil is eons of years old? He is here. He was here. Even though he is not God, he was here before you were. And many of you don't realize that there are demons that have been assigned to your life from before you even came out of your mother's womb. And there are things that have been following you sometimes even generationally because of what took place with your. Can I get into this deep stuff this morning? Because you need to understand that some of the stuff that you're facing is hereditary. And there are demons that have been assigned to your genealogy, have been assigned to your bloodline. They they, they started attacking from your great, great, great grandfather. And they've been coming after you before you even got here. Some of you, you think that the devil it just is just willy nilly. No, no, no. We're getting ready to look in the text. I want you to understand that the devil is strategic and Christian. We as Christians oftentimes just willy nilly and we're just we just react to things that happen as opposed to understanding and acting with under with knowledge and acting with wisdom. Are you with me? And so he says that we've got to be strong. So if I come to the enemy who is stronger than me, who knows more as it pertains to his, the history of the way that things are going, he has been around longer. And if I come to the enemy in a position of my own strength, I'm going to get whooped every time. But he says, be strong in the who in the Lord is the text and in the strength of his might. He says, put on The whole armor of God, watch this, that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. Note this, this is this whole idea. He says, put on the whole armor of God so you'll be able to stand. Don't put on the whole armor of God when you're faced with the enemy's attack, but put on the whole armor of God. Who am I talking to this morning? Put on the whole armor of God before You face the attack so you can stand against the wiles of the devil. And this is what I'm talking about. uh, Reaction based uh, uh, as opposed to preparation. Reaction as opposed to preparation. There are many of us that when, you know, when, when somebody calls you up and cusses you out, 
right? You, the reason why you fire back off at them, the reason why you cuss them back out instead of saying, God bless you and hanging up the phone or going on to let them spew off. And then you wait until you can have a rational conversation with them. The reason why your first response when somebody does something unfair to you is to try and get revenge. And the reason why when something challenging happens is that you retreat and go and hide in your room and close the drapes and say, I'm not coming out no more. The reason why you feel when thoughts of suicide come, you plot some of the in here today that you came here and you said, I'm going to give God this, this God thing one more chance. And if it don't work, when I leave here, I'm getting ready to go and kill myself. In fact, I spoke to somebody in our church this week who found someone strung up by a rope. And people are killing themselves. And these responses oftentimes are because we're waiting. We're waiting to to deal with certain satanic attack when it comes to us. As opposed to being prepared with the whole armor before I got to the fight. How would it look if I ran out against someone who is well armored and who is guarded and who has all, you know, the artillery and all these things and whatever. And I show up naked, show up in my drawers talking about looking, talking about put them up. And that's the way that many of us look in the face of satanic attack. That's the way that many of us look in the face of depression. Because before the depression got here, you didn't have the word in you that said, come on somebody, be anxious for nothing. Who am I talking to? But in everything with prayer and supplication, make your requests be made known unto God and the peace of God, which passes all understanding. Come on, verse 7, Philippians 4, verse 7, will God our hearts and our minds through Christ Jesus. If I if I got if the depression came up against me when I had that in my heart, I'm equipped and I'm better positioned to be able to succeed against the enemy. Who's with me on this morning? This is why Jesus, Jesus, and you can write this down. I don't have time to, to go through this today in, 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 uh, in depth. Uh, but if you look at Matthew chapter four, just read that, the first part of it. And also Luke chapter four. What happens with Jesus is that Jesus is tempted. He experiences satanic spiritual attack. He just got off of a spiritual high. And right after he gets off this spiritual high, he is faced with this satanic attack where the devil comes and attempts to test him. As it pertains, he tries to get him to manufacture a blessing. He says, turn a rock into bread because Jesus was hungry. And he's saying, you know what? I want you to skip the process and use some magic powers and turn this thing into something, you know, before the time. Then he even he even tempts him and tells him, I want you to just go ahead and jump off of this cliff because doesn't the Bible say that God is going to give his give his angels charge over you to keep you in all of your way. And then he goes and tries to tempt him in the area of identity and tells him that if he falls down and worships him, that he is going to give him some authority that Jesus already has. And so he tempted him, tempted him in the area of his identity. But every time the enemy came up against Jesus and he was dealt with that satanic attack in verse Luke in chapter uh, four of Luke and Matthew four, we find that Jesus answers with the word. He has the word prior to the test. Man, I just feel this thing in here because somebody's been wondering, why is it the devil keeps whooping your behind? It's about your lack of preparation. 
This is why David says, I'll hide my word in you. I've hidden your word in my heart that I may not sin against you. And so there's this design, there's this, there's this thing where Jesus is positioned before the test. And that's what this whole ready series is coming from. That's where this focus is. It's a challenge to us to be ready, to be prepared, not just to wait till the last minute to study for the test. You know how we, some of us do in school? In our scholastic endeavors, we wait till the test the night before to start cramming and studying. You can't cram against the devil. Come on. You got to be ready for the enemy. Who's talking? Who am I talking to this morning? Cramming is not going to work in spiritual warfare. Everybody say, I got to be ready. I got to be ready. Got to be ready. Notice this. He says in the text, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. Some translations say the wiles of the devil and the Greek word there, because the Bible is written in Hebrew, in Greek and in Aramaic, which was a common language of the time of, of the contemporary time. And here in the New Testament, right here in Ephesians, as we look at the Greek, uh, the word for schemes is methodia. Everybody say methodia. In other words, the methods, the the cunning arts, this is the definition, deceit, the craft, the trickery of the devil. So he says, put on the whole armor of God so that you can stand against the craft, against the, the deceit, against the cunning arts, against the trickery of the devil, the schemes, the methodia, the schemes of the devil, the methods of the enemy. This is why we put on the whole armor of God. You know why? I want you to peep this because look at this. Look at what he says in the text in verse 12, uh, unbeknownst to some of you says, for we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over the present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in heavenly places. So here he makes it clear that we don't, that many of us don't get and understand that there is more than meets the eye. And your attack and your fight is not with the person who's offending you. There is a spiritual root to every physical manifestation. There is something spiritual that is happening behind everything that you and I are facing. And this is an important concept because there's more than meets the eye. In fact, you need to even say this about yourself. Say there's more to me than meets the eye. First Thessalonians, write this down. First Thessalonians chapter 5. Verse 23, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 23. Paul says to the church at Thessalonica, he tells them, he says, listen, I pray that at the coming of the Lord, that your that you will be sanctified holy. And I'm paraphrasing. He says that your whole spirit, soul, and body, that it would be presented blameless at the coming of the Lord. Spirit, soul. Or mind and body. You and I are more than what meets the eye. Everybody say this to me. Say, I am a spirit. I have a soul. And I live in a body. I am a spirit. I have a soul. I live in a body. Your body is the house. Read 2 Corinthians chapter 5. I can't go into it too deep today. Second Corinthians chapter five talks about how you are that this body is a tent 
And you, the, the immaterial part of you is that which is spiritual. That's the part of you that gets born again or made new when you accept Jesus as your Lord and your Savior. Are you still with me? So because people say, I'm born again, but then I'm still making mistakes. Well, that don't make sense. You want to know why? Because your spirit got born again, but your body, he's still working on that. And the Bible makes it clear that this outer shell intent is not going to be ready and is not going to be able to be in a place of perfection until you until Jesus returns. And so you are a spirit. That's why the Bible even makes it clear that the spirit wars against the flesh. You know that stuff that you wish that you would be doing oftentimes the right things and your flesh just won't. It's just a battle. Because this ain't saved. The inside is. So so that's the spirit is the immaterial part of man. The soul is what I have. I have a soul. My soul is my emotions. It's my will. It's my mind. And there is the, the, so there's a distinction. So I am a spirit. That's the essence of who I am, an immaterial being. And I have a soul, my will, emotions, all of these things. And I live in a body. That's why when someone passes away and you look at them and and you're like, that's not them. That's right. Because that's just a shell. And depending on what we do with Christ, whether we give our life to Christ or we reject Jesus, determines where our spirit and soul goes when it is that we pass. Matthew chapter 10, turn with me there, just so you understand that there is, that there are spiritual things, that this is something that that is not just, uh, that is not just a physical thing. It's not just what we see. There's more to it. Uh, Matthew chapter 10, verse 28. Look at what Jesus says, says, and do not fear those who kill the body. Because some people, they say, we are a soul. You don't have a soul or a spirit. You're not, there's no immaterial part to you. But he says, do not fear those who kill the body, but cannot kill the soul. Rather fear him who can destroy both the soul. Notice notice the distinction. The soul and the body in hell. So hell is a real place. Newsflash. But Jesus here, the point I'm bringing out of showing this is that as I was telling you, there is a distinction between body and soul and spirit. The soul is the immaterial part of man. Are you with me this morning? So there is an immaterial part of us. And we don't realize that that this oftentimes is under attack. I've seen some things. I'm telling you guys, I've seen some things over the years And I never could understand. I remember, you know, I've shared. I don't know if I've ever shared this out loud. Maybe I have. I don't remember. But uh, there is a number of things that have happened. How many of you have ever been when you are asleep and then you wake up and you're there and then you can't move and you can't talk and you can't do anything? Let me see the hands of everybody who's experienced that. Okay. You know, and they have this technical term that they call sleep paralysis. And you know what I call that? The devil. See, this is the thing. Oftentimes, science will define things and they can give it their their definition. But the fact of the matter is, and I'm not one of those people that thinks everything is a demon and everything. No, that's not the point. But, you know, there are times where I have seen and and this is how I know. And there's some of you. you, How many of you have experienced things like your bed shaking? Okay, I see hands. 
your bed shaking. Okay, that's happened to me. How many of you have seen things in your room and you were in between? I call it the in between. I see hands, all this. You know, I remember, I'll never forget because I've seen and experienced all of these things. I remember I was there and I went to sleep and I remember I was in the in between. I call it, you know, you're where you're not fully asleep and you're kind of there. Who, who, who knows about the in between? Okay. And it's just like, man, I'm here, but I'm not. It's just that, that in between. And oftentimes we get an, we, we get the opportunity. I'm, I know some of this might be going over some of your heads, but I just want to talk about this stuff because it's real. And we often Hollywoodize and all these sorts of stuff, these things, when in actuality, these things truly happen. And I remember I was lying there and that thing happened. I'll never forget. I saw some ants and it was just kind of like this thing. And ultimately I got held down. I got pinned down. And I'll never forget in that moment, I was awake. I couldn't move, couldn't talk, couldn't do nothing. And my room turned, changed around. This is when I got called to ministry. A guy in a green suit, pasty face. I still see him right now in my head. Bald head was standing in front of my window. And there was a crib that appeared in front of my window. And I was not asleep. I know if I was sleeping. And I was in between. I couldn't move. And I was just staring. And he was looking at me like I slapped his mom or something. And he was vexed. And he was just looking at me. And then he had a glove on his hand and he took the black glove off his hand. And the baby was next to him in the crib. The baby was crying. And he shoves the glove in the baby's mouth. And the baby stopped crying. And when I saw that, I'm like, oh, heck nah. And I literally inside of myself, I'm trying to say Jesus. I'm trying to say Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. You know exactly what I'm talking about. And I finally was able to say Jesus. And some other figure popped up at the bottom of my futon. It was because I was when I was single, sleeping on a futon, and it popped up in the bottom. And you know, and and uh, and right when that popped up, then the the figure disappeared, and my room changed back. And it was so exhausting. Some of you have experienced unexplainable things like that. Come on. And you think that you're crazy. And I just showed up to let you know that was God calling me to ministry. The enemy was trying to say to tell me prophetically he was going to shut me up before I was birthed into the ministry. But here I am, devil, preaching the gospel and people are being Okay, y'all think this is patty cake. I didn't come to play games. I'm just letting somebody know that this stuff is real. And you think that you're crazy and you might think you're out of your mind. No, you're not out your mind. That's because there is a spiritual world. And even though we are walking around in the flesh and we primarily see in the physical, there are things that are happening behind the scenes that are influencing many times the people who are getting on your nerves the most. Because they know, the devil knows that if he can just push one, two or three buttons... That he can get you off kilter and get you mad at someone when it's not even them. He says, for we wrestle not against flesh and blood. See, so that's not the flesh, but against the rulers, against the powers over this present darkness, against spiritual forces of evil in heavenly places. In other words, not heavenly as in heaven. You know, there are different aspects of heaven in scripture. There's the atmosphere in that, you know, like the sky as we see it. There's, there's the heaven as it pertains to even the, uh, the, the you know, space, outer space. And there's the third heavens as we would believe in uh, that scripture would indicate is where, where God is, uh, where the throne of God is, you know. And so there are different atmospheres. And so the devil is known, uh, write this down, Ephesians chapter 2. I'm giving you scripture because I want you to get this stuff. Write it down, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1 and 2. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1 and 2, the devil is known as the prince of the power of the air. See, see, this is going in line with what Paul is saying, spiritual wickedness in high places. 
the prince of the power of the air. Not only this, 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 4, write this down too. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 4, and honor, just read that whole area. And it talks about how the devil is the God of this world, lowercase g. In that, right, that he is, he is in control to a certain extent of what is taking place in, in many aspects of, of the world today. So even though he may be the lowercase g of this world, there is still someone who's greater than him, who is the owner of this world. I hear Psalm 24 says, the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, the world and they that dwell therein. For he has founded it upon the seas and established it upon the flood. Man, I hear the Bible. And so, so, so the devil is in this position where he may be noted as this. And in fact, even in John chapter 16, verse, uh, John chapter 16, verse 11, John 16, verse 11, he is known as the ruler of this world. So he's been given this authority, this, this authority for, uh, and, and allowed a certain measure of authority until the return of Christ. But then Jesus tells us in John 16, 33, he says, in this life, you are going to have tribulations. But be of good cheer because even though there's a dude running rampant in the world right now, even though there's spiritual wickedness in high places, he says, be of good cheer or take heart because I have overcome the world. Are you with me this morning? We're talking about spiritual warfare on today. And so, so this whole idea of the, of, of, of the fact that there's spiritual wickedness that we are, when we're talking about spiritual war, we're talking about the fact that there is attack that is happening in a spiritual context. And most of the things, just like with our body, you can't see my spirit right now. You see the flesh. And there are often times where, uh, where there is spiritual influence behind physical manifestations, even in forms of sickness. Look at this. I want to show you this real quick. Mark, uh, the book of Mark. What book did I say? Are y'all still with me? Mark. And I want to look at Mark chapter 9. Mark is the second uh, gospel right after, right after Matthew. Mark chapter 9, we find a story here. Of a young boy who the Bible tells us that he has an unclean spirit says, and when they came this is from verse 14 of Mark chapter nine, when they came to the disciples, they saw a great crowd around them and scribes arguing with them. And immediately all the crowd, when they saw him, were greatly amazed and ran up to him and greeted him. And he asked them, what are you arguing about? And someone uh, and someone says, teacher, I brought my son to you. For he has a spirit that makes him mute. So he can't speak. And whenever it seizes him, so he has seizures, it throws him down and he foams at the mouth and grinds his teeth and becomes rigid. What does that sound like? Epilepsy. Right? So it's made clear here in this passage that this individual, this guy's son, is having symptoms of epilepsy. He has seizures, he foams, he can't talk, and, is, and then it goes further because notice this is how we know that there, is, that there is spiritual influence. It goes on, it says that he foams at the mouth, grinds his teeth, and then it even goes on and says that, uh, hold on, it says that, let me keep reading, and Jesus says that they were not, that he was not able, verse 19, and when it answered him, he answered them, oh, faith, the generation, how long am I with you? How long am I to bear with you? Bring him to me. 
And he brought him to the boy and the spirit saw him and immediately it convulsed and he fell on the ground and rolled about foaming on the mouth. And Jesus asked the father, how long has this been happening to him? And he said from childhood and it often casts him into the fire and into the water. And so it's causing him to harm himself. The long story short, Jesus ends up healing the boy, casting the devil out, and he is no longer having this. So we know this clinically, we know this as epilepsy. And yes, okay, it may be epilepsy. But here in the passage, it's clear that there is a spiritual root behind it. And many times with sickness, come on somebody, many of us don't realize because we just see the physical manifestation, but we don't realize that even though you're seeing the physical manifestation, that there's oftentimes, uh, this is oftentimes the physical manifestation of a demonic attack that is behind it. Am I saying that everything is spiritual and that there's that in this case that every sickness, every mental illness or things of this nature that may come, that it's always a demonic attack? No, I'm not saying that. But I am saying that sometimes the things that we are up against, they do have satanic warfare all over them. Come on, somebody. And many of us, we've been sitting around silent as opposed to taking our stand and even taking a uh, taking a test to say, hey. In the name of Jesus Christ, I command deliverance and healing over you. There are some of you that are, that your loved ones, and you know, last night I heard this, and I'm just, I'm coming for this devil today. I don't care. You know, I, I heard last night, uh, as I was preparing and I was praying and I was getting ready, I was walking around the house and I was praying, my wife and the, and the family was sleeping, and I just heard in my spirit, what cancer? And I heard, I heard what cancer. And I said, God, what do you mean? I kept hearing what cancer. And God was like, I want you to, I want to let somebody know to tell somebody today that you that when you go back to the doctor, if you would take a stand against the warfare of cancer that's come up against your body or your loved one, that I'm believing that somebody's going to show up to the doctor and he's going to say, what cancer? Okay, I don't have nobody with faith in this place today. Because see, some of y'all, you have just, some of you have just reserved and thrown in the towel and said, you know what? This must just be the will of the Lord. I'm telling you what, until they tag the toe, until they're in a box or in the ground, you better stand. But the enemy often comes against us. And I'm not going to the extreme. I'm not telling you that it's always the devil. Some of us, we do it to ourselves. Hallelujah. But I'm saying that oftentimes it is. It's spiritually rooted. And we, as opposed to standing against the enemy, we, we, did, we make the decision that we are going to uh, just give into it. As opposed to taking a stand as did Jesus in many occasions. And so I love this. And this is just somewhat of an introduction to the entire the, this, 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 uh, this perspective on being ready for spiritual warfare. And I sense that the Lord would have for me to go, uh, to go into this, this way. And so as we come to a close, go back to Ephesians chapter six. All that was my introduction. These last four minutes is the message. Here we go. So look, so he says in verse 13, and I'm not going to go in order. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God. Everybody, everybody say the whole armor. Uh, just a piece of it that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having all done all to stand then he says stand firm and then look verse 14 and onward is where he talks about the different aspects of the of the armor 
So we're going to unpack for the next few weeks these different parts of the armor. I encourage you to jump in with me and I'm not going to go necessarily in order. But he goes on and he says, uh, he says, stand for him, having fastened on the belt of truth. I can't wait to teach on that. Having put on the breastplate of righteousness and the sh- and as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. I want to stop there and I want to just talk about that for today. So the first type of armor I want to talk about in terms of being ready is having your feet clothed or shod with the gospel of peace. The readiness that happens by having your feet clothed with the gospel. Everybody say gospel. The gospel. See, some of us, when you hear the word gospel, you think of uh, GP, are you with me? Oh, yeah. You think of Kurt Franklin. Some of you, when you think of gospel, you think of take me to the king. You think of Tamla Man. You think of all this. You think it's a genre of music. But the gospel is not just a genre of music. In fact, it's not a genre of music. The gospel is the good news that even though we are headed for hell by default because of the sin that we inherited by our first parents, Adam and Eve, because of their disobedience of God's commandment, that Jesus decided to put on flesh. Even though we were stranded, he could have blinked and created another planet. But in the ultimate display of love, he put on flesh, came to the earth, lived perfectly because you and I would not single handedly paid for the sins and the grief and the shame of all mankind on a cross. He was killed. And he was buried and three days later got up from the dead with all power in his hand and extends life eternal to you and I he says that we ought to our feet ought to be clothed with uh having our feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace come on somebody this is something that is integral it's an integral part of you and I walking successfully against the attack of the enemy how many of you know today that the gospel is under attack And when you don't understand the gospel, you believe all sorts of willy-nilly stupidness that the devil sends every Google search that you pop that pops up. You'll be like, oh no, I don't believe Jesus is God no more. Come on, somebody. Or you hear some foolishness. People be up on the on the on the YouTube channel. Come on, some come ask me after, I'll tell you. Be up on YouTube and eh, you just be sitting up there watching YouTube preachers telling you that you gotta live holy. And live perfect to get into heaven. Who am I talking to? The gospel is under attack. How many of you know it's impossible for you to live perfectly? Is there anybody who's perfect in here? How many of you know that your entrance to heaven is based upon what Jesus did? Not what you do. This is why you got to have your feet. Because you, if when, you're, when your feet are shod or are covered with the right armor, you ain't going nowhere. When my feet are not covered correctly, then I'm going to everywhere. That's how you know a lot of people are potted and not planted. Come on, somebody. And there's a difference because I can move a pot everywhere. But the person who is whose feet are shod with the gospel of peace, like Psalm chapter 1, their feet are planted by the rivers of water. Come on, somebody. And as a result of me being planted, I'm not jumping and blown to and fro with every wind of doctrine. As a result, there's fruit that's born out of my life. 
People telling you that, that the reason why you're sick is because you don't give enough money. And so then you start running over to them and giving your money, giving your rent money to people. Come on, somebody. For this, and you, and you, you always hear me say these things, and it sounds like I make sport and I'm making sport and I'm joking around and stuff. I am being sporty. I'm telling you the truth. I'm trying to challenge you to understand that you and I, the gospel is under attack. When I got here this morning, somebody came up to me and told me that somebody's now called, sent them a text message talking about they don't believe that Jesus Christ is God anymore because of this Hebrew Israelite stuff that's showing up. Y'all don't even know nothing about no Hebrew Israelites. Somebody's like, what in the world is that? But there are a lot of people, these guys walking around dressing crazy, standing at Crete Street corners, talking a false gospel, telling, making it seem, oh, I can't get into it too deep, man. Come to Bible study on Thursday. <laughs> talking about trying to tell people and challenging us. And there are many of these, 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 these African rooted religions that will tell you that the black man is God and the white man is the devil. Come on, somebody. And all of this foolishness. The feet not shod with the gospel of peace. Christianity is the white man's religion. Who am I talking to? Foolishness. Maybe the westernized, Greco-Romanized version of Christianity that was presented to our ancestors, come on, for many of us, that was presented to them to be into, to beat them over the head, pick cherry-picking scriptures to enforce slavery upon them. That is the false gospel. But how many of you know that the gospel was actually accepted in Africa willingly before we even have, we even had the westernized, Europeanized culture that we even know about? The gospel was accepted in Ethiopia and in Africa even before the whitewashing of scripture as stereotypically as people know about this. Man, I could go off about this stuff. Jesus loves everyone. Jesus is for everyone. There is no man that is God. Come on. Every Jesus is God. Come on, somebody. And the gospel is that we all, whether you're blue, whether you're pink, whether you're red, yellow, black, and white, Jesus died for all of us. Am I talking to you this morning? You know, so how, how many of you, how many of you, and I'm over my time, but I'm, I'm still going to preach. I'm coming to pray. The plane's coming down for a landing. But I want you to understand this, man. Like, how about, so there's so many of you, so many of us. How, actually, let me ask this question. If you grew up in church, in a traditional church context, right? How many of you know, after church, I used to always go and uh, play basketball in the gym. We had a gym in our church, a building that we were at. And I used to go and play, play uh, basketball in my church shoes. And, you know, and the dress shoes. Let me say dress shoes. Uh, you know, and so there's the slick ones and the church socks. And uh, we used to go in there, man, and we used to just, we used to throw down in that gym. We used to have a blast and a ball playing after. And, you know, the thing is, though, that uh, because they're dress shoes, uh, that if somebody decided to, oh, right, and you just happen to, your ankles are going to snap. Has that ever happened? It's happened to me before. Because the fact of the matter is that the shoes don't have the appropriate support. Although they're, although they're stylish, they don't have the appropriate support system. Basketball shoes are meant for basketball playing. Not church shoes. 
Come on, somebody. And so when we go out there and we play basketball in dress shoes, we get to the place where we're not wearing the appropriate gear to be able to have success in playing and be safe while playing basketball. Who am I talking to? And many of us, you've been focused on just being stylish. You just want people to look at you because you got some spiritual red bottoms on. Come on. And because of how oh, y'all don't want to stay with me this morning. You want you want them to look at you because of your shoes look good. Come on. And because of how they can say, oh, look at this person. Look how spiritual they look. But I don't know about you. Come on, somebody. I want every now and again. I want I want some running shoes. Come on. I don't care if the shoes is tatted up as long as they are prepared to be able to stand when I get out there on the court. In fact, it's some ghetto guys. I grew up in the hood, y'all. I'm from Mount Vernon. So in Mount Vernon, in fact, the first place I lived was Emperingham. And when I was coming up, a lot of my friends, they didn't have they didn't have the stylist and the newest shoes but guess what those shoes they had the right shoes on and the fact is because they had some skill and they had the right gear even though it wasn't the newest stuff they were able to walk behind because it's not about looking it's about being prepared with the right type of shoes okay and I love it. You know, the, the thing is that when you walk in the gospel, Romans chapter 10, verse 15, Courtney, you can come because you better come and get me because I'm going <laughs> to. He says, how beautiful are the feet. Here's a Bible of them that carry good news. For those whose feet are shod or covered with the armor of peace, the gospel of peace. Your feet are not just effective, but they're also beautiful. And God is able to use you in your firm position that when the enemy comes with false doctrine and comes with another gospel, as Paul says in Galatians chapter 1, read that whole chapter. He says, if anyone comes with another gospel that teaches you anything other than Jesus coming and dying for the sins of mankind and rising from the dead with all power and life and eternal life to those of us who would put trust in him, he says, let them be accursed. Let them be anathema. And then he says it again. Let them be accursed. Because it was almost as if God, it's almost as if we want, we making it seem as if God wasted his time coming and dying in our behalf and rising from the dead with all power for you and I then to turn to ourselves or turn to some false teaching away from the blessed assurance.